Take your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to the book of John and chapter 5. John and chapter 5. This morning we'll be dealing with verses 37 and 38 in this chapter. Jesus had already given witness of himself, giving witness that he was the Son, and that God was his Father, and those Jews that he was witnessing to knew what he was talking about. They knew that saying he was the son of the father, that he was making himself equal with God. But he was declaring that he is the son, he is the son of God, giving testimony to that, giving witness to that. And the fact that the Father has given all judgment into his hands, and not only that, he has life. He has life within himself, and therefore he has the ability to give life to those who are dead in trespass and sin, he's able to make them spiritually alive unto God. But then he said, falling back to the Jewish commandments and the Jewish laws, That if I witness of myself, my witness is not true. In other words, it was not credible. The Jews' law was that the accused of a crime would not be convicted, would not be found guilty, would not be put to death for the witness of one man. But it had to be by the witness of two or more witnessing the same thing concerning the individual. So Jesus proceeds in these verses 31 through 39 to give his list of witnesses as to who he is. The first thing that he gave was the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He gives witness within. He bears witness within. He bore witness. Christ was full of the Spirit. And His Spirit bears witness in man to who Jesus is. But leaving the witness of the Holy Spirit, it goes on to 
a man who would consider great among the Jews, and that was John the Baptist. For the Jews counted him a great prophet. And he said, John the Baptist gave witness of me. He came to prepare the way for Christ. He came to prepare the way for the Son of God. He came to prepare a people for the Son of God. And when he seen Jesus walking in their midst after telling telling those Jews, those, those Jews who had sent Levites and priests down to ask John who he was, and John testified of Jesus, said, and there's one among you whom ye know not. He's talking about Christ. Christ is among you, and you don't know him. You don't know who he is. And then that day that he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And Jesus went on then in verse 36 to say, I have greater witness than the witness of John. <laughs> and what, it, what, okay, Jesus, what is the greater witness than that of John? The works that the Father gave me to finish. Those works testify of me. Those works bear witness to who I am. That I am the Son of God. That I do the works of the Father. Now we come to the next witness. The next witness that he presents is the Father. Verses 37-38. And the Father Himself, which hath seen, sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard His voice at any time, nor seen His shape. And ye have not His word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him he believe not. For the witness of the Father as to who Jesus Christ is in the book of Matthew. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 3. In verse 17, when Jesus began his public ministry, he seeks out John the Baptist at the River Jordan where John was baptizing. And 
John baptizes him. They went down into the water and Jesus was plunged beneath the water. And as he was coming up out of the water in verse 17, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The voice of the Father. The voice of the Father. That voice which they did not hear. They refused to believe. The witness of John. John witnessed this. It's told us again in the book of Mark in chapter 1. That the voice from heaven spoke. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Not on this occasion, but there was another occasion that the Father bore witness of the Son. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 17, Matthew chapter 17. Five. And this is what we know as the transfiguration on the mount. Where he took Peter, James, and John up into the mount with him and he was transfigured. He was changed into a form of light. In verse 5 it says, And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. <laughs> This was the Son. The Father has given witness, has given testimony to the fact that this is His Son. Son sent. In another place, Jesus, I think it's in John chapter 12, and Lazarus had gotten sick and had died. And they'd been in the grave four days. Time of which he would have And before Jesus called him forth, he looked up to heaven and he prayed to the Father and he said, Father, glorify And a voice from heaven come, come, come forth that I have glorified him and shall glorify him. Continue to glorify the Son. So the Father gives witness to the one whom he sent. 
his son. God sent Christ into the world. So he, Christ, naturally bore witness of the Father. His witness all that God had had revealed all that God had revealed to to man through through the ages since since the beginning of the world God had revealed to man the coming of his son Everything that God did was to, to prepare men. Prepare men to receive His Son. And so, bore witness. Bore witness to the fact that God was sending His Son at a particular time particular place to a particular people. Turn with me to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians in chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 and verses 4 through 6. Where we read, But when the fullness of time, the time was come, when the fullness of time, when it, when it was the appropriate, when it was the appointed day, the appointed hour, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Because your son. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart. Crying Abba Father. There's that witness of the Spirit. <laughs> Jesus was full of the Spirit. And He gives of His Spirit to those that are His. And they, he, that Spirit bears witness. Thus that we are the sons of God. And we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Father, Father. God had told of the coming of the seed, the seed of woman, the seed. <laughs> Not plural, but singular. Uh, uh, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. and Look with me here at verse... Uh, Sixteen. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he said, not and to seeds as of many, 
but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. That one seed, which is Christ. The seed that he told of in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 15. Turn with me there. Genesis chapter 3 in verse 15. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, he identifies it. That seed is Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here is a prophecy concerning the coming seed, the seed of woman, the Son of God, coming to deliver a blow to the serpent, to Satan, but not before Satan bruises his heel. But a bruised heel is not a death blow. But a bruised head is a death blow to the head. So, gee, so God, in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, prophesies of the coming of his son. He had told of the coming of the perfect Lamb of God. He told of it in the law. In the law, in, in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. You say, well, I don't see a prophecy concerning Christ in the Ten Commandments. And then you're missing the point of the law. You're missing the, the point of it. The point of it was to show us that our inability to keep it, we can't do anything to keep the law of God in its entirety, in its perfection. James said to break in one point is to be guilty of the whole law. The man is guilty. We're all sinners before God. That means we need a Savior. We need someone. Someone who is perfect. Someone who can fill the law. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see how the Ten Commandments point to him? But not only not only the Ten Commandments, but all of the law, the sacrifices which they were to offer. Year by year. Day by day. He foretold of, of the coming of the Son in the prophets. Back up just, I want, to, want us to go to the book of Hebrews concerning the law, concerning the sacrifices under the law. The book of Hebrews in chapter 10 and verse 1. You see, for the law... Hebrews 10, 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image 
of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. You see, it was a shadow, it was a picture. It, it pictured the Lord Jesus Christ and His coming in perfection. And it goes on in the 10th chapter to tell of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He came and offered our sins once. One offering for sins forever. <laughs> Never to be offered again. Because His offering was a full and a complete offering. His offering was a full and complete sacrifice. The, the Old Testament law, it only pictured that. You see, every time they offered those sacrifices in the Old Testament, every time they observed the Passover, it foretold of the of the Son of God. In the prophets, in the book of Genesis, we shall already seen in the third chapter in verse 15, it foretold, but in chapter 50 of Genesis, therein Jacob is pronouncing the blessing upon his son, and he comes to Judah, and he gives prophecy concerning Shiloh, concerning the coming of the Son of God. Moses. Moses. Those, that prophet that the Jews revered, that prophet that the Jews held dearly. Moses was a picture, was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses told of the coming one who would be a prophet like unto him, but a greater prophet than he himself. We know in David's writing, and David wrote many of the Psalms, and many of those are, are prophetic psalms of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The book of Isaiah. We know the prophecy that is contained in the book of Isaiah concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in the fullness of time, Glacian said, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. The Father, the Father sent him forth. Now, back in our text in John chapter 5 and verses 37, 38. Jesus said, <laughs> Ye have neither heard his voice, and <laughs> as you haven't heard the Father's voice, and the Father testified of me. 
He testified of me in, in the Testament. Those, those books, Moses, <laughs> the law, and the prophets, which you hold regard to, he testified of me in that. You didn't hear him. John testified of, of the Father's voice from heaven, declaring him to be the son, beloved Son, in whom he was well pleased. He says you didn't hear him. You didn't hear his voice at any time. Nor seen his shape. <laughs> That's not a manner in which we talk today. It's just, it's just saying you didn't, you didn't see his form. You didn't see his appearance. You haven't seen God. You haven't seen... You haven't even seen... You who, who profess Moses and the prophets. You haven't even seen him, what he's like. Basically, what he was saying is, you, you know nothing. You know nothing of the Father. Some people may think that they have seen God. But they haven't. They haven't. They're just fooling themselves. They're certainly not fooling me. For I believe God. I believe God above man. They've not seen God. Turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus in chapter 33. Exodus chapter... 33 and verse 20. This he, God, God said to Moses, and Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments the second time after breaking them the first time. Verse 20 says, And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. No man is going to see God. No man has seen God at any time. Turn with me to the book of John. Back to the book of John chapter 1 and Verse 18. John chapter 1, verse 18, we read, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. You've not seen Him. But have you heard the Son have you heard the words of the Son? He has declared the Father. He declares the Father. He tells these Jews, you've not heard him. You've not heard me. Colossians chapter 1. 
the first chapter of the book of Colossians. Chapter 1 and verse 15. Speaking concerning Jesus Christ. Who is the image? That is, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. You can't see that which is invisible, can you? He's the invisible God. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of every creature. And He's the image. He's the stamped image. He's the express image. He's the very image of the invisible God. First Timothy. First Timothy. Chapter 1. Verse 17. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You see that? He's invisible. No man has seen him at any time. The Son. The Son has declared him. The Son has declared him unto us. I ask you this morning, has the Son declared him unto you? Jesus told his apostles in John chapter 14 you've seen me you've seen the father you've seen me you've seen the father he declared the father Jesus also tells these Jews in the fifth chapter in our verses there, he says, Even not his word abiding in you. You see that there in John chapter 5? Ye have not his words, verse 38, his word abiding in you. They had the Old Testament Scriptures. They had the Law and the Prophets. They had the books of Moses and the Prophets. But they did not have it. They did not have the Word of God abiding, dwelling in their hearts. They could... They, 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 they knew the, the law and they professed themselves to be keepers of the law. This is what they were condemning Jesus of because he broke the Sabbath. He healed an impotent man. He did an act of mercy on the Sabbath. They knew what the law stated, but they didn't have it in their heart. They didn't have love and compassion in their heart. And the law proclaimed love and compassion to our fellow man. I think it's 
the book of Galatians in chapter 6 and about verse 7 that tells us that that the law is well Romans chapter 13 says the law is summed up one word love the fulfilling of the law is love thy neighbor as thyself love and compassion to a fellow man they had not the word of God abiding in their heart the word of God must must be abiding in your heart for you to know him you don't know him if it's not abiding in your heart you must know him in a personal way you come to know him in a personal way through enlightenment of the holy scriptures of his word it must be accepted as it is the word of god and being of god it is fact it is truth god does not lie he cannot lie is beyond his character to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Turn with me to the 17th chapter of the book of John. John chapter 17 and verse 17 should be a familiar verse with, with you, at least many of us anyhow. Verse 17 of the 17th chapter of John says, Sanctify Purify, cleanse, set apart, make holy them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is truth because God cannot lie and it's his word. It is truth. And it is that which purifies and cleanses us. Sets us apart unto holiness, unto perfection. Before God. We'll have more to say about sanctification this afternoon. It must. The Word of God, the truth, truth must abide in you. The Word of God must be in you. He told those Jews in that that fifth chapter of John and verse 38 that they didn't have it they didn't have it abiding in them and ye have not his word abiding in you he gives the reason why he knew it wasn't abiding in them for whom he sent him you believe not we read for you back in John chapter 1, verse 18, that he who in the bosom of the Father had declared him unto you, had declared the Father unto you. His word, is it abiding in you? The Jews had the word of God, but it was not abiding in them, John chapter 15, 
In verse 7, notice what Jesus said again to uh, his apostles in the 15th chapter in verse 7. He said, if ye abide in me, if you abide in Jesus, and my words abide in you, his words, truth, he is the word, truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. His words must be abiding in us. If we're abiding in Him, which is evidenced by His word abiding in us, which is evidenced by our life, He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obey my word. John 14, 15. And it if that is so, if you in fact are a child of God, if you're abiding in Christ and His words is abiding in you, you're being obedient in your life to the Word of God, then you shall have will. And it shall be given unto you. So shall ye be my disciples, my followers, we follow him because we're abiding in him and his words is abiding in us. We're obeying the commandments which is evidence of our following him. The book of 1 John. John again in, in his first epistle in the fifth chapter in verse 3 says this is the love of God that you keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous commandments are not burdensome. They are not weighty. They don't weight you down. <laughs> no, it, it's a joy. It's a delight. Well, we know that we're walking in obedience to the Word of God. But these Jews, <laughs> they had the Word of God. It was given unto them. It was given unto their fathers. Even in this day and time, they put much emphasis on Moses and the prophets. But they didn't have it in their heart. They did not have the Word of God in their heart. The Word of God must be abiding in you. It must be laid hold of. It must be clung to. <laughs> This means the Word of God is living, moving, ruling. It's reigning in your heart and life. Is the Word of God living? Is it moving? Is it, is it ruling in your heart and life? If it is, it stirs you to conviction. It stirs you to repentance. It challenges you. It leads you to confess your sin. To repent. To true repentance. You, re you repent of your sin before 
God. Know that He's forgiven your unrighteousnesses. Means the Word of God abiding in you means that you're growing in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're growing. You're growing in love and compassion and forgiveness. You're walking in a just behavior, in a righteous manner before God. The Word of God is causing you to, to believe and trust God. Do you trust Him more today than when you were first saved? trust Him more today than you did last week? Do you trust Him more today than you did yesterday? You trust. Trusting in Jesus. You trust God. You trust His Son, Jesus Christ. You trust Him as Lord and Savior. When God's Word is truly abiding in us, we naturally believe it. You believe the Son, the Son whom He sent in your life. Your life manifested. You're a changed individual. You're a changed creature. It manifests that you are a child of faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to the 12th chapter of the book of John. John chapter 12. In verse 47. Verse 47, 48. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that receiveth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. What is that verse saying? Jesus said, Saying to these people here, he says, I have no need to judge you because the Word, the Word of God is your judge. <laughs> you believe not me. You believe not my words. The Word of God, that Word of God, now who I am, is going to judge you. 
in that. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. Chapter 4. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick. And it's, it's alive. It's active. And powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner. That word discerner, it goes to to, it goes to judge. Is a judge of the thoughts and intents, the intentions of the heart. <laughs> Isn't that what the Word of God does? To you that, that are alive in Christ Jesus, to you that are abiding in Christ Jesus, not what the Word of God does? Is that not what the Word of God did when it, when it came to, to you in power and saved your soul? Is that not what the Word of God does now in your daily life? Are you not pricked by the reading and hearing of the Word of God? That's what the Word of God does to those that are His. To those whom the Spirit has quickened, has made alive, use the Word. The Word. Born them again. I ask you this morning. Do you hear? Do you hear the voice of God? Have you heard the voice of God? Have you heard His witness? The witness concerning His Son? The scriptures are full. It's the word of God. The scriptures are full of witness concerning his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to hear him. You need to abide in him. His words need to abide in you. You need to rule and to reign. You need to cling unto it. Those words, the Word of God must be ruling and reigning in your heart and life. Shall we 